Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking about turning up the heat on environmental reporting. My guest today is Ben Spencer, the science editor for the Sunday Times, and a key figure in the Times' new Earth channel. That launched last week, marking Earth Day, and it's a new section on the website which will serve up stories on climate change, pollution, wildlife and nature, sustainability, renewable energy and transport. It's a sign that the publication is stepping up its coverage on the environment, which has proven to be a hit with readers of late. But it also follows similar moves by other organisations like Bloomberg, The Financial Times, Forbes, to name a few. So Ben talks about whether we are seeing a bandwagon playing out, or a genuine industry shift in recognising a hotspot of coverage. He says that this topic is only going to get more pressing on a global stage in the times ahead, with the upcoming UN climate change conference happening this November, COP26, and a new US president at the helm. So now is the time to pounce on a moment of unity within politics and the news industry, and focus on making the topic interesting and relevant to readers. With that on the horizon, could environmental reporting be the next big topic for audience engagement? All of that's to come, but first, this. Journalism.co.uk brings you four days of panels and workshops at our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired. Join us from the 18th of May, where we will talk about digital transformation and how to lead change in your newsroom. For the full agenda and early bird tickets, visit newsrewired.com. Ben, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for yourself at the moment? Oh, it's great. I'm in the office. I've been coming in a couple of times a week um, to London Bridge. And um, yeah, no, it's nice to be here. Certainly certainly beats being in my son's bedroom. (laughs) You're one of the few guests I've had on who is uh, back in the newsroom. So that's that's a refreshing change. Yeah, well, this morning was the first day that I didn't get a seat on the train. Um, so I think, you know, life's starting to get back to normal. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Well, what's what's your work desk looking like at the moment? Well, so we've got hot desking um, and only um, one in every other desk. So it, it's quite it's quite kind of empty in the office, actually. There's not many reporters in, but I think it's going to no. start to build up. Good. Well, I hope you get back to the hustle and bustle soon enough, but all in good time, I suppose. Um, the Times, of course, last week launched uh, the the Earth Digital Channel. Um, why don't you just take me from the top and tell me what really is the focus and the aim, really, of this of this new digital channel? Right. Yeah. So, so we launched Times Earth properly last week. Uh, we kind of did a bit of a soft launch in the middle of March, but um, yeah, last week was the big big kind of launch. It's 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 a bit of our website that's. Um, really devoted to climate change, sustainability, um, green lifestyle, eco-transport, anything kind of environmental. Nature's a big, big part of it. So not all climate change, but obviously this year, in the year of COP26, in the year of um, Joe Biden's big push mm-hmm. for um, to make action on climate change, we're really focusing on environmental issues and this is a project across the times and the sunday times to really get green coverage really boosted okay let's be specific about this exactly what is new and different with this with this uh, launch of the times earth channel 
I mean, both papers have always covered environment. Um, and so we're doing what we, we've always done, really, which is go after environmental stories. But it's really kind of to putting a new emphasis on them and putting them in at one place on the website where people can get them. We're badging them up differently and across both newspapers so people can find them a bit easier. And there's a new kind of just real focus on environmental reporting. Um, we've also been publishing supplements. There was a big supplement published in the Times last Thursday, which was to mark Earth Day, when Joe Biden had his big summit in the US. And there, there was a, um, a meaty supplement in the center of the paper really looking at what net zero means, what COP is, you know, what countries around the world are doing, what Britain's place is in that process. Yeah, that does sound like quite a significant uh, amount of sort of commitment that you've, that you've put towards it. You, you, you touched there on a new emphasis. What do you mean by that? I mean, we're really looking at it across the sections. So in the Sunday Times, the, the paper I work for, you know, our business section's looking at it. Our mag- it's in our magazine. It's in home. It's in style. Kind of every part of the paper is looking at environmental issues really so it's 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 a new focus i mean we we had a piece in home this weekend about ways to garden without plastic we had a piece in travel a couple of weeks ago about you know 30 best eco holidays for example and these are things that we've done in the past but it's really just a new focus and this is what our readers are asking for there's a real interest in environmentalism and environmental issues And the Sunday Times is seeing genuine demand for these environmental stories. In particular, young readers have become a big growth area across digital for climate topics. Ben talks next about a recent story that he worked on, which focused on what will replace the humble gas boiler to heat homes. That story went out on the Sunday of Prince Philip's funeral, and it got more hits than any royal story across the Sunday Times website. It goes to show the demand for environmental stories. Um, so there's really an appetite for this. And that, I mean, to my surprise, to to be honest, I'm, you know, I've been pitching this story about boilers for several weeks, really, and we've been waiting for a perfect moment. Um, and of course, there's never a perfect, perfect moment for any story. But we, we chose that Sunday because it happened to be snowing on the Monday uh, before before and um i just said to the news review editor martin Hemming, let's just do it you know i've just switched my boiler on to constant this is the perfect week lo and behold by the sunday i was in my t-shirt but it was glorious weather but so you can never really plan these things i i i guess you could say you were saving that story for a snowy day then <laughs> yes indeed. <laughs> sorry i had to um you touched on the soft launch uh, of the of the um digital channel uh, earlier on what did you kind of learn from that initial launch to going into this into the actual launch? I think that I think there's a danger of focusing too much on COP26 too early is one thing that we kind of realized. I mean, COP26 is happening in November and it's going to be really, mm-hmm. really important. You know, 195 countries or so gathering in Glasgow, assuming it goes ahead, we still don't know for sure, but um. It's going to be a really important event uh, for Britain. It's going to be a really important event for the world. 
and um, when we get to it, it's going to be massive. But what we realized is that probably don't want to write about it too much in detail at this stage, is while people are interested in environment, they're not necessarily interested in COP26 yet. How will you approach kind of the issue of climate denial, which is especially rooted in kind of populist politics? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, well, I've just joined the Sunday Times actually in February. And um, previously I was at the Daily Mail as, as medical correspondent for the last six years. Um, so my life's largely been, well, certainly for the last year, I've written about COVID and nothing else really. But prior to that period... I was environment reporter, science and environment reporter on the mail in 2013, 14, 15. So I'd had a had a kind of a time away from this and come back uh, with a six-year gap. And the world's changed. It's completely changed. When pre-kind of the Paris Agreement of 2015, when, when I was last in this reporting this space, there was a lot of climate denialism around. I think it's gone away. I think we're in a completely different world now. I don't think there's the same scepticism that there was. I think we've got political unity about this, um, behind this, not just in Britain, but around the world, actually. I mean, you look at the Joe Biden summit last week, and the language was very warm, even between countries like America and China, America and Russia. And obviously, this is just diplomacy. There's obviously a lot of um, a lot going on behind the scenes, but there's an actual unity in this area, I think, at the moment. And in the UK, when the net zero bill was passed into law by Theresa May in 2019, not a single MP voted against it. Now, that would have been unthinkable just a few years ago when I was last reporting about this, at a time when Boris Johnson, for example, was considered a climate skeptic when large parts of his backbenches were climate skeptic that's all gone now i'm not saying that that's going to last forever i actually personally think we've got a fragile peace at the moment we've got unity right now this is part of boris johnson's plan for building back better both after the covid pandemic but also after brexit you know having making britain diplomatically leaders around climate change and we've got the chair of the g7 this year and we're um, hosting cop 26 so it's a massive year for kind of geopolitics and making climate change a central part of that i think in the future we're going to have some big decisions about how we decarbonize and people will see it really impact their lives in a way that it hasn't before you're not going to be short of any news stories on the news section, are you, Ben? Sort of coming to the idea of a climate change section within itself, like a place on a website where readers can get that and only that type of content. Why do you think that's kind of important? I mean, everyone reads news in different ways, right? So, I mean, I'm quite an old fashioned. Uh, I'm quite old fashioned in the way I, I consume my news. I like to pick up a printed product start at the front and work my way to the back. Not everyone does that. People now are reading more and more of their news on their phones, on their computers, on their tablets. And it's just a way to curate it. 
And if people are interested in climate change, they can click on the button, it takes them there and they can choose their pick. And it's not just climate change, we've got a section on there for sustainability, we've got a section about biodiversity and nature, and people pick different things. But it's really about positive, constructive journalism, doing stories that people want to read. We're also doing a newsletter, I write a newsletter every that goes out every Tuesday morning um, about environment as a whole, uh, which is kind of it's kind of a column really, but it's kind of a, a short intro, which I, I view as a column, and then uh, pointing people to some of the best stuff on the Times and Sunday Times through the week and the rest of the web. Earlier on, you are also saying that sort of young people really do account for a growing force of, of these sort of climate enthusiasts, probably helped by Greta, of course. Yeah. What will you do to cater for them and include their voices in, the, in this coverage? It's, it's really about the kind of stories you write. You know, people aren't actually that interested in the geopolitics of it, which, I mean, in my opinion, even though that's probably the most important part this year, people are interested in how it's going to change their lives. That's why the boilers thing was so successful, because everyone has a boiler. You know, this directly impacts every person in the country. Um, and it's really a consumer story, I think. That's how that's how you make it. Um that's how you cater for your readers. You make it about them. So it's a consumer story. It's a political story. It's a science story. And it's an environment story. And to be clear, it outperformed any other royal story that, that weekend. Yeah, just on that particular day, um, which was, you know, and we, we produced reams and reams of coverage. I imagine, yeah. Um, for the funeral. So, yeah. Yeah, but that, that, that must indicate to you that there is a genuine value here in this kind of immediate um, earth in your backyard kind of coverage, so to speak. I think so. I think so. And the thing is, it's complicated. So people are interested and they don't quite understand it. So just breaking it down mm -hmm. and really explaining the nuances and explaining the politics, explaining the economics, people are interested in it and they're engaged. So it's just about really presenting it to them. I mean, it doesn't always work. I had another piece that I wrote this Sunday about um, the road to net zero and how the real challenges and hurdles on the way to net zero, how we're going to get there in terms of electricity, in terms of transport, in terms of manufacturing. And that wasn't that well read. Hmm. Although I have to say, we have we have this metric um, called a, a, a dwell index, mm -hmm. which is how how far people actually get through the story and it did very well for dwell it did well for dwell but not for clicks yeah exactly so in other words not many people started reading it but if they did they finished it which is great for me but it sh shows we've really got to think about how we get them there in the first place mm, but isn't quality kind of also just as important as quantity if that makes sense if, if you've got if you've got people who are genuinely extracting genuine value out of the article that must mean more than just someone who skims over a headline and then goes on to the next article. It does, and that's what we pride ourselves on the Sunday Times in particular, is, you know, we've got the time and space to do things in depth with expertise. And at length, you know, we've got this space to do it. Mm. Uh, but we've also, we also want people to actually get there and to read it. And that's what we have done well on the Sunday Times. You know, our, our hits are very high online um, compared to during the week. And our circulation is very high in print compared to during the week. 
So we need to do both. We need to get people onto the page and pick up the paper. And then when they're there, they need we want them to read it. We are seeing this broader trend of media organisations setting up dedicated parts of their websites to focus on environmental topics, and it goes by many names. You'll see it referred to as climate change hubs, sections, verticals, channels. For example, Bloomberg launched its Bloomberg Green editorial brand way back in January 2020, and since then, to name a few, the Financial Times, Forbes, and the Times, of course, have all come out with their own dedicated environmental sections for their websites. I asked Ben whether this is a bandwagon or a genuine awakening to an in-demand area of coverage. I think it's massive. I think it's a massive awakening. And the things you didn't mention are the Sun with it, with its green team, Sky with its climate change channel. They've got the Express, which is, you know, when I was last in this space, the Express was very critical about climate change action. And now it's, you know fully on board um so yeah i think that can only be a positive thing and even if it is a bandwagon does that matter i mean you're drawing people into this the space you're highlighting it um to readers you're putting pressure on the politicians um so i think we're at quite a unique time um politically as i said we've got this unity which would i think it comes in cycles this the unity around climate change at the time of the copenhagen cop in 2009 i think there was quite a lot of unity you know in terms of political um domestic political scene 2008 the uk passed the climate change act with quite a lot there were only four or five mps who voted against it and then you went down. There was a trough in about 2013-14, at the time when David Cameron was talking about getting rid of all the green crap, and there was a lot of um, scepticism on the back benches. So I think it goes in cycles, and at the moment we're at a point where there's a lot of unity behind climate change action. It might not stay that way. So this might be a bandwagon, but we're at a point when it makes sense for newspapers broadcasters to focus on it as journalists all we can do is you know take that opportunity and get our stuff in the paper in the best way we can because you know i remember a time when it was very difficult to get environment stories on the front pages that's not now so we just need to use it really strike while the iron's hot then um i like this idea that you know collective unified action could be exactly what the industry needs right now that's what you're saying yeah, I speak to a lot of environmentalists and the green groups who are very sceptical about kind of the way the tabloids in particular are reporting on this. But I don't have a lot of time for that point of view, to be honest. I mean, people say, oh, you, you know, they've just got the Express and the Sun have an agenda, but use that agenda, you know, get people involved. We've spoken a lot today kind of just about the value of, of what we read. I think over the last 12, 15 months, COVID has been that topic where audiences have really valued it and, and reciprocated by really investing, you know, in that in that topic. Once coronavirus, you know, potentially fizzles out of relevancy, do you think climate change could be the next big topic to really engage with audiences? I think it could. I think it's going to be very important this year, as I say. 
I think it's really the way we phrase the argument and phrase the reporting. I don't think after such a grim year, I think people are sick of negative stories. You know, people don't want to read how we're in a crisis. I mean, that's an important part of the story, but it's really got to be presented as as, as the solutions to climate change rather than, you know, we're all screwed. The we're all screwed story is quite a difficult one to write because it's people talk about the climate crisis, but it's a very slow motion crisis, you know, so writing about it dramatically, which you have to do these stories is quite difficult. And I just don't think people want to read it. Obviously, we've got to report the science. And as new science emerges, we're going to have to um, cover that. And there's various reports due later this year from the IPCC, which will really lay out where we are in terms of global warming. And of course, we'll cover them. But the way I view it is like constructive stories about what we're actually doing about it. Find stories about people's boilers. Um, <laughs> ben, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on. And thanks for all of your time and insights. It's been a pleasure. Great to speak to Ben there. And my takeaway could apply to any part of journalism, I suppose. But anything complicated like environmental reporting, make it immediate to readers. Ben's example of replacing gas boilers is a brilliant example of a humble story which just cuts through the complexity and gets to the heart of an issue impacting people. This could be the ideal starting point to ignite an interest in the topic ahead of all of those crucial developments to come on a global stage. If you like what you heard today, you can find all of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the show, I would love to hear from you. Do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's what we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.